Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome into the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky, and today I am joined by Sarah Sivian. Sarah, what is up? Evan, nothing much. Late night of working last night, so apologize for my, my sweatshirt appearance, but I have a little project that I'm excited about, and the weekend's almost here. I mean, daylight savings right now in Boston is pretty brutal with the gloomy weather. How are you? I am good. I feel you on the daylight savings. It's tough. Uh, and by the way, we keep things casual on here. I never oh, like yeah. you uh, someone. Yeah, someone was saying recently, like, oh, like uh, you know, doing podcasts in person is so much tougher because <laughs> you know you got to put like real clothes on. Like Pete and DJ started their podcast, and uh, oh, yeah. it shows them from head to toe. And I'm like, you know, if I had to go in and do that, I would have to you know put on real clothes and put on you know like look presentable. But here we just you know keep things casual, which is nice. Um, but I am excited. Can you say, so what are you up to these days? Clue the clue listeners in on what you're doing. I, okay, I guess we can break some news on here. I started writing for EP ringside elite prospects for those who don't know, and I'm still working at Bleacher Report, but I'm kind of getting back to my reporting. (laughs) Congratulations. Getting back to my reporting roots here and doing more player and coach interviews, deep dives into teams. And I'm excited to add it back into the mix and i'm really excited about my first article whenever it drops so look out for that yeah and i won't give away who it is but it is a new england native mm-hmm. so that is very a, much so that is a, yeah so that for someone like me that is and for the listeners that is uh, something that uh, people should be looking out for it's funny when you tweeted out it was with a, the most interesting coach in the league for a second i was like she talking to Cassidy? Uh, but he's up there. I think Bruce is up there with one of the most interesting in the league. Uh, but it's it's someone that I think people are really, really going to enjoy. Um, so the Bruins. Where do you stand on them? Uh, we're recording this Thursday afternoon, so they've yet to play the Islanders. So, you know, uh, we always joke on this podcast, Sarah. Oh, maybe they won. Maybe they lost. You know, it doesn't really matter. Um, where are you at with the Bruins so far? God, they gaslit me last year, and it's so hard to have a concrete opinion about them after the most whiplash of all time with the team, right? It's so hard to think. But I've thought about people like Dom Lushijin um, and Charlie O'Connor, two analytics gods in this industry, have talked a lot about how 
playoff sample sizes are so small that the regular season really is indicative of if it's a good team or not. So I'm going to say, yes, the Bruins are a good team again, and they have a solid foundation and maybe bad luck, loss of clutch factor hurt them last playoffs. And I mean, we can debate the philosophy of if it matters if you're a good team in the regular season, if you don't have that clutch fun factor that you play all season for, right? And I know it didn't mm-hmm. matter to the Bruins. Brad Marchand, now captain, said that a million times last regular season, and it hurt them when they lost. But they're good. They're beating the mid-allegations once again. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing is, like, you know, you look at this team, and, like, I had them in going into the season third in the Atlantic and competing and being a playoff team you know I think there were people out there who were like they're gonna suck and it's like no they're not because you've still got the tandem and net you've still got uh your decor returning minus Orloff but again like he helped offensively but defensively in his own zone that was never sort of the strength and then up front like you know I kept saying you know with Co- this was pre-Patra you know with Coyle and Zaka you can get by with that like you mm-hmm. have enough guys there that you're gonna score just enough and it's interesting, you know. I thought the I, I thought the Atlantic would be a teeny bit better than it is. Like I think I gave granted it's the you know the first month and a half of the year, but my God, the Leafs! I, every night on Twitter, a new clip emerges of either you know someone with their foot in their mouth or a terrible defensive effort, like they had uh, Wednesday night in Ottawa. I mean, that's the other thing is that the Bruins might just like stumble into being the best team in the East again, which is not good. You just it comes back to goaltending, right? When you first of all you sign Matt Murray to that contract, knowing he's injury prone, which is kind of a fallacy, but he just is. You don't want to take mm-hmm. that risk, and then here he is again, and he hasn't been great the past few years. I have wanted nothing more. Well, I don't know, that's a little dramatic, but I've wanted to see him <laughs> succeed, and then now he's just out. It's number one on your list yeah. of wants. You <laughs> yeah. need Matt. Number one, Matt Murray. <laughs> World peace is number two. Number one is Matt Murray. Please succeed. <laughs> yes, I always. I'm empathetic to people in the sense that I feel bad when goalies take brunt of criticism. But, I mean, why did they sign Klingberg knowing he had been, like, the talk, like, his stock was way too high because he was one of the people rumored to be available for so long, and he was an offensive defenseman. That's the last thing they needed. They needed a defensive defense. They needed (laughs) play defense. And I don't, I think the Ryan Reeves signing is negligible. Like, they overpaid for him, obviously, but I don't think that's making or breaking anything I think it's the goaltending that they just it's a folly of when you fire GMs and you go through GMs like this you kind of somebody has a different plan someone else has a new plan then you got this guy coming in and is like you need they need more grit and I still to this day think they did need more grit Tyler Bertuzzi just got his first even strength goal with them, which you didn't expect that. You'd expect them to kind of him to pop off more, but he is kind of a playoff player. So we'll see what happens then if they make it to the playoffs. But <laughs> yes, that's the thing. <laughs> it's just the defense. I mean, it doesn't even really matter. I mean, you got Austin Matthews scoring 10 goals a game. It really is about the defense and the predictably bad goaltending. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because I feel like the Leafs and the Bruins are sort of uh, juxtapositions of each other, right? You have the Bruins who uh, are not stacked, aside from David Pasternak, and even Brad Marchand with guys who produce a ton. Uh, and, but on defense, you have, you know, good, solid defensemen, although, you know, they, they're they injury-ridden uh, right now and McAvoy with a suspension. Uh, and, you know, st- as strong as any team in net. And then on the other end, you have the Maple Leafs who are, 
incredible up front. Um, you know, Bertuzzi, again, I agree with you. Like, going into this season, I thought, my God, you know, you put Bertuzzi with Matthews and Marner or you put Bertuzzi with any of those guys, and he's going to pop off the way he mm-hmm. plays and the way that he kind of gets to the front of the net, all those things. Um, and that hasn't happened so far. But again, like, you go back to, like, how many years, Sarah, has it been that defensively we've been like, hey, they need a legit two-way number one defenseman. That's the number. That's the big thing in the NHL now. You know, your McAvoys, your McCars, your Foxes, even your Quinn Hughes of the world – you kind of need one of those defensemen to go far in the playoffs or to kind of pack a punch. And they don't have that. Like, and they haven't forever. And they've tried over and over and over again. I know we're turning into Maple Leafs beat, but they've tried over and over <laughs> oh, again to do this. And it, it, it has never, it really, they can't figure it out. So um, I just, I'm very curious to see what they do. You also have the Senators who are, you know, struggling. There's all that talk with DJ right. Smith uh, as head coach there. And, you know, the Lightning don't have Vasilevsky, and like, I, I want to see the Bruins struggle a bit this year. I do. I want to see the Bruins face some adversity throughout the regular season, and so far, from the Atlantic, it doesn't look like it's going to come from there. Maybe that's the league and the division is in cahoots, where it's like, okay, we have to make this regular season really easy for the Bruins again, so they choke in the playoffs again. Like, that's the master plan. It that's really like is galaxy brain level thinking. <laughs> it, is it, really, like... it is a good point, though, that the tests and the adversity that you face really show up in the play. I mean, you see that with the perfect example is the Panthers that won the president's trophy and didn't go far. And then they struggled and grinded the end of the season. It's just funny how philosophies and mentalities really do create a playoff mentality and get you into it in the right way or not, but the senators, God, their fans were unexpectedly obnoxious. Like everyone's <laughs> counting us out, and I'm like, well, I'm not going to. Should we be counting you in? in? <laughs> yeah, there's so many teams that could be on that bubble, and I think maybe I've done a lot of analyzing of the West and the East, and it's the popular opinion that the East is stacked and the West isn't. But that doesn't mean the West talent is worse. I think the West talent up top is even better, but there are so many teams in the East that are bubble. That doesn't mean that they are better than it's a better division. It just means Mm -hmm. that, okay, the senators, the Red Wings, the, the Leafs were, I mean, the Leafs should be better than they are right now. Sabres. Yeah. The Sabres are all going to fight for this one spot because they're all above average, but not totally elite. Yeah. There's more, there, there's more okay teams in the East yeah. than in the West. Obviously, the West, you get like the Sharks. Uh, but then at the top, you have Vegas and you have Colorado mm-hmm. and these teams that are uh, very, very good. So I agree with you. And the other thing I think is an interesting point. Uh, I think I was on with Hags yesterday and he made it. It's like, you know, the Bruins are a totally different team than they were last year, right? Defense, goaltending, grinding out 3-2 wins every night. Nothing is ever mm-hmm. safe. You know, they've you, they've got to hold on to every last minute. And, like, there's a good part of me that thinks, hey, that's a good thing for the playoffs because that's how you win in the playoffs. You have to know how to win those games. But is it taxing on a group of guys for 82 games to kind of face that almost every night? And then to go into the playoffs, it's like, okay, we have more of these to do. I wonder what the the, the balance is of that because I think you want to have a lot of those games, but I don't think you want every game to be like that. Not to say that every game is going to be like that for the Bruins, but I think a majority of the games are going to be one goal, grind it out type wins. And I just wonder if that's sustainable for the playoffs too. Well, 
It's so interesting because in a league like the NBA, you have load management and they try to avoid situations like that, but then they run the risk of underplaying players and not getting them playoff ready. And it's such an interesting balance. I think you got to trust your athletic trainers to kind of have good recovery plans. I remember when I was covering the Hurricanes, um, Billy B, Bill Berniston, he's an absolute beauty. He's their athletic trainer. And he just every night had a specific plan for every single player of like, here's the rest you're going to get. Here's the supplements you're going to take. And like, you're going to fall asleep and track your recovery like that. So I think they do have the tools these days more than ever. And you got somebody like Zidane Ocharo, who, like, I mean, he's not here anymore, but I, he, he hangs around. He hangs around and he's oh, running yeah, his well, marathons. He's, yeah, he's running the marathon every I, other week. You can go to him for advice and figure out how can, what's the longevity plan. But my boyfriend just ran a 50 mile marathon and he would do this thing that's called like junking your leg. <laughs> that sounds like really <laughs> not podcast appropriate, but he would try to like mess himself up. Like he would roll his ankle and be like, okay, well now can I keep running and keep this going? And in a way it reminded me of like what you do to prepare for the playoffs. And these guys love that feeling. They're warriors and they get in the playoff mentality. Obviously this game is played at an elite speed and you even see what the Ross Colton on Luke Hughes hit the other night. It's just, mm. you don't want to put yourself in a position of danger because people will come at you. But I don't think a little huffing and puffing ever hurt an elite athlete. No, it doesn't. And it just, again, last year felt like there were too many, not easy games, but just they were way better than everybody. And I think yeah. when the Panthers came in playing a style where they forechecked the hell out of them, beat the hell out of them, you know, yeah. uh, forced turnovers, I think they weren't ready for it. And I think they will be more ready for it uh, this season. You know how they won't be more ready for it, though, Sarah? How? If they trade Linus Olmark, which is what I really want to hit on. That's the hot, <laughs> it's the hot button topic that everyone's, uh, everyone uh, is weighing in on these days. Because, uh, again, you, know, you knew going into the season, the minute a team like an Edmonton or whomever uh, started to struggle that didn't have a lot in net, you knew Linus Olmark to that team. And that team, obviously, is Edmonton. Um, are you in on this? Do you like this idea? Where are you at with uh, the potential of trading Alina Solmark? Don't do it. You have a Vesna reigning champ that is has a 5 million AAV. That is, do you understand how rare that is? And it's like the number one can, like beacon of consistency with this team is Swayman and Allmark. And I will say, I think last year, People were overrating Swayman, and this year, people, he's somehow being underrated, even though he's being heralded. Like, I think he's absolutely living up to the expectations and beliefs some people had last year. But you wonder how much of that is because of his close relationship with Allmark and the relationship that they do have. And they have these good vibes where they're hugging every night. And I'm not going to be like, this is what it's all about. But I think <laughs> this type of vibe and a consistency brought over from last year is something when you lose someone like Bergeron, you lose someone like Krigi, you lose Nick Foligno, you need the vibes and you need, they're literally the best goaltending tandem in the league right now. They have the best combined safe percentage. And I don't think they're doing that to this level without each other. I mean, could Swayman, could Allmark survive and be above average without one another? Yes. But why would you risk that and why would you want 
the number one most valuable position to get worse, especially when you're saying now this is a different Bruins team and there's more kind of uncertainty and there's more grinding it out and they have held down the fort. I agree with you on this and I, I want to touch on this a little bit more, but first a quick word, quick word from our sponsor. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season. Again, FanDuel.com slash Boston. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. In Mass, 21 plus and present in Mass. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com, gamblinghelplinema.org, or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start, gamesensema.com, or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Now, back to the show. So, uh, the Omar thing's fascinating to me because the... the uh, the strength of this team is goaltending and defense. <laughs> so I don't understand, and I get, you know, people want to deal Olmark for a top six center, right? You know, you're going to find, you know, like Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who, by the way, had one really, really, really good year last year. But for the most of his career has been a, you know, I'm not trying to demean him, but a good, solid middle, you know, middle six center, right? I mean, I'm not as up on nationally as you are, but like... That's just about where he was. I, I I think you have enough of guys similar to that. I think he's above production wise with points like Coil, but like Nugent Hopkins, like no, I am not doing that. Um, I was gonna say we have a Pavel Zaka at home. <laughs> like yes, that's exactly the, the same vibe there, where it's a high <laughs> draft pick that is good but has not really exceeded that draft pick um, projection. But I think Zaka is doing just fine. I think this is a good role for him right now. And I'd like to see him cook a little more. And it's, why would you just disrupt a good thing? And then you think about a top six center is obviously going to come with a significant cap hit that the Bruins can't really afford if they're trading Allmark, who has a modest cap hit. So there's a lot of things to think about. I mean, obviously, if it's dry saddle, you're doing it, but that's just not going to happen. No, it's not. And again, uh, Omar has a modified no trade. What is the what are the chances that he's going to accept a trade to Edmonton? And it's not just because Edmonton is Edmonton, but that situation. So you're going to go from playing behind one of the best defensive structures in the league with a very good goaltending situation where you're alternating every other night and your numbers are bananas and you won a Vesna trophy to, oh, I'm going to go to Edmonton where the scrutiny's even larger, where the team is not as good, nowhere near as balanced, the defense isn't great, and suddenly you're, you know, the main guy in net, your numbers are going down, and Olmark has a contract year, I think, after next season. Mm -hmm. So, like, what is, what is the incentive for him? But, again, with, with just the Bruins in general, like, I do think, 
you know, A, I want to see them alternate goalies in the playoffs. I know yeah. that everyone says it can't be done. I'm telling you, with this group, with the way that they are set up, if you're going uh, every other night all season, do it in the playoffs. And I hear it all the time, people being like, well, what if you need to win a game? Well, then you pick the guy who's doing better. You know, if it's game six and you want to get a win, if Swayman has been better in the series, you go with him. If it's if it's Olmark, go with Olmark. It's not that mm-hmm. difficult. Um, but I don't understand. Uh, I don't understand that the, you know, the, the wanting to do it now, especially with like Patra emerging as he has. I want to see him mm-hmm. in a top six role. I want to see uh, Zaka and Coyle sort of settle into what their roles are going to be this season. Um, I'm not in a rush to deal Olmark. I saw like Bucci Gross tweet out, um, you know, the, the proposal. And I know Bucci just likes to stir the pot a bit, but it's it. like, you know, it's like, you know, oh, uh, I think it was like Olmark, a first, uh, Lysel. And it's like, I would rather them hold on to their assets at the moment. Um, These are all fantasies that never happen. Like, you never, <laughs> first of all, rarely trade a goalie in mid-season or the beginning of the season and you're not sending a pack like this is just like armchair gm type stuff and i know like bucci loves to be wild and create a dialogue there that's not gonna happen Well, it's also, it's that time of year, right? Like, I feel like the November, December time is where people really kind of cook up the trade rumors because you have teams that are underperforming, you have guys that are overperforming, mm-hmm. uh, and people want to, you know, kind of switch them. Like, you have the Oilers, you have the Leafs right now, so people kind of want to get in on that. But, you know, I, to me, like, I think there is an argument to be made, you know, depending on how this season goes, uh, with Omar going in, you know, Swayman's going to need a new contract this offseason, with Omar going to need a new contract after next season, um, I think there is an argument to be made about, hey, what if you could deal him at around the draft, if the market's good, right? That's the other thing is, I don't want to deal, I don't want them dealing Omar for way less than what he should get. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, if I'm dealing Omar, I want at least a first-round pick. Because mm-hmm. I want to see them get back in the first round. I think that's mm-hmm. a valid thing to want. I mean, bolster the prospect pool um, and get someone legitimate. And, you know, if you are dealing Olmark just to get rid of the money and just to, you know, end up paying Swayman, I don't like that. You know, I want something legitimate in return. And it's kind of, I don't want to say they're playing with house money right now, but it's a weird time for the Boston Bruins in a way that it's kind of nebulous. And it's like, where are we as a franchise right now? And as long as Marchand is there, as is still there, still performing, McAvoy in the defense, and you got Pasternak locked up, you got to go for it right now. Like, why don't you just, we can cross the bridge when you come to it. And I said this last year too. It's like, yeah, you got to go for it right now with Bergeron and Kregi's futures uncertain and now you got to go for it now that the team is still good like just keep going why are you trying to you don't want to overcorrect for anything and it's good to hear that the Bruins like reports are saying that they aren't really interested in trading Olmark right now I that's smart yeah I I just to me like I think they're in a they consistently I don't know how they've done it but they even when they look like they're needing a rebuild or anything like that it's just a simple little retool now they have gotten very 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 lucky and fortunate with Patra emerging as fast mm-hmm. uh, and as as hard as he has um, low ride through three games there's been a down you know there's been some downsides but for the most part offensively you know you've You've kind of got what you thought you were going to get out of him. And, you know, people are asking, you know, should he go, you know, is he ever going to go back down? I think we need to see a little more out of Lowry before we start saying, oh, he's definitely a Bruin for good. Yeah. Um, 
Because I think, you know, the defensive metrics have not been great. Um, and I, I think I, I was reading today uh, on Natural Stat Trick, like 60% of his five-on-five shifts have started in the O-zone. Um, and that, again, his defensive analytics are not great. And, you know, the, 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 the core scene, all that fun stuff isn't very good. So I just want, you know, I think there's more to be seen from him. But I think he is, you know, he's on the second power play unit in practice today. And... I think there's a lot of upside there. And I think you also have a guy like Beecher. So again, you've gotten fortunate with these younger guys uh, kind of coming in the lineup and making an impact and potentially putting themselves in for the future core. I, I like the offensive zone stat there. And it shows you what we talk about when we talk about Jim Montgomery sometimes. It's kind of setting up certain players for success and proving themselves right and whatever, giving them the best opportunity that they can get, even though... Yeah, that means he's got some defense to work on, and I think that's pretty clear. But it's really interesting with these guys. Like, maybe we didn't expect certain come-ups, but it reminds me of somebody like Seth Jarvis, who is now a staple mm-hmm. on the Hurricanes, who was the same situation, was going to go back to the CHL, and then they kept him up there, and he's been a staple ever since. It's just, it makes me wonder who are players like this that never got this opportunity for whatever reason, just because of there weren't, so many holes to fill and not enough cap space to go out and fill them. And then this player comes up and gets this golden opportunity and actually takes it. There's so much young talent in the league right now. You even look at the rookie class and it's like Bedard might not even win the Calder because there's so many good people in the conversation right now. So it's really interesting to see. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the way this league has trended in terms of younger guys can come in and make an impact immediately, mm-hmm. um, I think is interesting. You know, the fact that, uh, and again, not, you know, there have been occasional 19-year-olds over the course of the league's history that have come up and made an impact. But nowadays, you do see guys come right out of college and, you know, usually they're higher-end guys, but they make an impact. And, mm-hmm. like, I also wonder with a lot of these top prospects, like a Slavkovsky, a Shane Wright, there's a lot of pressure on these guys mm-hmm. from a very, very young age. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's no perfect way to handle like a Slavkovsky in that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the other thing is like you have to be so careful with the development of these younger guys with a lot of hype. <laughs> yeah, there's no way there's no right way to do it. But if someone's going to mess it up, it's going to be the Habs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they seem to have a good staff up there. That's the other they thing do. is like they do. They do. They, they have a good staff, St. Louis, uh, Kent Hughes, like they do. And I just, I wonder, you know, with, and I, again, you see like the athletic is doing redrafts of like the 2022 re- uh, draft. It's like, it's, we're a year out, you know, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> are we really far enough away to do that? Content, um, baby, it, content. It is content. content. You know what? That's what we need. And I, and I get that. I get that. But I, it is interesting, like with the Slavkovsky at the time, it was, you know, him versus Shane Wright. And it's funny that like Logan Cooley is the guy from that draft mm-hmm. class that is performing and Arizona sort of hit on him really well. And, and I think that that's, I think it's, it's sort of, and again, like, you know, with Nungan Hockey Journal, I'm always doing player development stuff. You now with Elite Prospects uh, doing player development stuff, like it's so hard to tell with these drafts because, you know, kids will come in really hot off a great tournament performance, but it doesn't exactly mean that they're going to be a star at the NHL level. Absolutely. And it doesn't mean they aren't. We could all use a little more patience, but in the economy of having takes and the economy of needing to prove from a scale, like I'm sure now that you talk to scouts on this level that like most people who cover the NHL don't usually get to do. I'm sure you know the pressure some of them have and 
people in the front office in general to take the safe pick, even if it's not the pick they like really wanted in their heart so they don't get fired. Because if you miss on the safe pick, then at least it's still like, okay, everybody thought this person was going to be good. But if you swing for the fences and you get something wrong, then your ass is kind of on, I don't know if I can swear, but it's, it's on. You the, can swear. Okay. There's a swear podcast. <laughs> okay, perfect. It's on the hot seat. That's why I love Barry Trotz in his new GM role. He came out swinging and was immediately like, I want my staff to take risks. And I've never seen that in hockey before. I guess that's kind of going on a tangent, but it is like you never really know how a player is going to perform now, five years from now, whatever. And there are so many different factors, like where can they slot in in the lineup? What type of calls is the coach making with his lineup? Because it is his lineup after all, and he gets the final say. What kind of, like, I don't know, what has this player gone through? You think about the pandemic and someone like Lafreniere, it's like, I don't blame him. I'm really happy that he's getting off to a good start this season because I can't imagine coming in being the 2020 number one overall pick and you have this uncertain future when you thought you'd have this kind of clear straightaway path to NHL success, but maybe that sets you up for a better career than you ever thought you'd have. We were spoiled by Austin Matthews, Connor McDavid, et cetera. Then you get Jack Hughes and look at him now. A younger player who came in at what, like 18, small, you know, like 160 or 170 pounds. <laughs> and now, and he's, and again, there was talk. I remember that first season. He's a bust. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he's never going to pin in anything. And it's like, be, be patient. They're mm-hmm. young. Like, there's going to be a lot of times this year when Matt Patra has a bad game mm-hmm. or has a game where you never notice him. And you've seen it already this year. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. He's 19. Um, and I think, like, that's the thing where, like, you do need to ha- – fans do need to have that patience of, like, you know, there are going to be games where he's a no-show. And there are going to be games where he turns it up. And you just have to be okay with both. When you were mentioning the uh, the front office being um, being aggressive and taking risks, it reminds me of Philly. Which uh, they did the eighth pick, and they picked uh, mm-hmm. Matt V. Mitchkoff, and I mean Danny Briere knew, you know Keith Jones, brand new, and like I think, I think that's a good thing. I think you want to see teams kind of take that risk because you're right. Like a lot of scouts, it's it's hard to swing for the fences when your job is on the line. You'd kind of mm-hmm. rather hit a single. You'd rather kind of just put a ball up the middle. That's all you need to do. Um, and so I, I think it's an interesting thing, and um, I, that's why I want the Bruins to get back in. The first round, I want to see them get back to drafting and kind of getting more guys in the prospect pool. I know there's a lot of talk recently of, oh, see, the Bruins prospect pool is better than we thought. And the athletic <laughs> in those places were wrong. And it's like the guys who have come up are the guys that you've sort of expected. Lowry had expectations. Uh, Patra, again, a year early, like that's a different thing. Beecher's come in as a good fourth line center. But, like, I'm not ready to be like, oh, the Bruins prospect pool is incredible. It's, everyone's been wrong the whole time. Like, no, but I want to get to a point where there are more prospects who do have NHL potential. Mm-hmm. So, That's, we'll see. Especially in a kind of transitional phase in the franchise. Very much so. Um, anyway, Sarah, this has been a blast. Going to have you on again uh, throughout the season. Uh, what can the people look forward to from you? Uh, what do you want to plug? What's What do you have coming down the line? All those things. I just published a story on Bleacher Report that was hot takes. When, speaking of how much I don't like hot takes, hot takes uh, one month <laughs> into the season. And I guess my hot take is don't trade your Vesna winner. So that 
That is the number one hot take that I have. And there's going to be a story on EP Ringside later. So if you want to subscribe to EP through my link, that would be a grand old help. But we have the Too Many Men podcast tomorrow. Check that out. And we've got a lot going on. Yeah, so lots going on. And Sarah, again, I appreciate you coming on. And that has been Bruins Beat. I'm Evan Marinovsky. Bruins Beat listeners, have a great rest of your week. Teenage Wings!